This is the Off-Duty, On-Duty Podcast, episode number 51. I'm your host, Brian Eastridge. Welcome to the podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. The Off-Duty, On-Duty Podcast, we take topics relevant to today's gun owners. We tackle them from the perspective of everyday concealed carriers and the perspective of on-duty law enforcement officers to give you both angles of discussion. Today, I'm going to be joined by Amy Langdon of Langdon Tactical Technologies, and we're going to talk tactical versus non-tactical for the non-tactical people in your life. But first, a word from our sponsors, Excess Sites, title sponsor of the podcast. Check them out at excesssites.com. EDC Belt Co. We got some fun stuff coming up from the Guardian Conference. Check it out on the social media page. We got a red, white, and blue thread belt coming at you just especially for the Guardian Conference. Get a hold of us at uh, edcbeltco.com. For further details, which reminds me, the Guardian Conference is coming up real quick. September 17th, 18th, 19th. Link is in the show notes. Still got a couple of seats left. So uh, don't wait. Uh, Don't wait any longer than you have to. Also got an ammo sponsor, so you can buy ammo at the conference. And you can even buy it, pre-purchase it. And they'll uh, they'll have it there at the conference for you. CCW Safe at CCWSafe.com. Uh, legal service membership for concealed carriers and LEOs. The most comprehensive coverage by the most experienced team. And I know every one of those guys and gals over there. And they are by far the most experienced team in that ball game. If you want 10% off your membership, go to checkout. Enter code OFFDUTY10. We'll get you 10% off. Uh, reminder. Uh, the Guardian, ah, oh, Guardian, the Concealed Carry Podcast giveaway. Let's see, last week we had Mark A. He won a pack of nine millimeter dummy rounds. Those are handy, right? Next week's prize is a barrel block. You got to sign up weekly to uh, be eligible for the weekly prize. And again, Guardian Conference, right? Links in the show notes. And uh, hope to see you there. Let's bring in our guest. Welcome to the Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast. Amy Langdon, one half of the juggernaut that is Langdon Tactical. <laughs> I've been waiting to say that all day, by the way. So, <laughs> Before we get into just talking the topic, the tactical versus non-tactical, I would like to congratulate you via the interwebs here uh, on your recent victory in the tactical games. That was pretty, Thank you. pretty spectacular. And I had a question from uh, a loyal listener who you know, but I won't throw their name on the show. Had you ever competed in a formal shooting competition before? Nope. First one. I had never competed. In fact, it was an argument uh, fairly early on in my relationship with Ernest. And he's like, well, you should compete. Like, You should do competitions. I was like, let's get one thing straight. I will help run the business. I will help you restart your business. I will do all those things. I will never shoot a gun competition. And two years ago, when I started learning about the tactical games, actually it was about three years ago, I started learning about the tactical games. Um, I was like, oh, now that's something I could get behind. Fitness, shooting. I can do the shooting, but I'm not, I'm not a perfectionist shooter. Um, but I was like the fitness piece combining that, I, that's something I could do. And uh, so I got all excited and then I got hurt. So 
I had to take a year and a half and repair that and then work on some strength stuff. And I was scared shitless. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was so <laughs> nervous. I was so nervous. Um, but I'm competing at the one year in October. So I did the one in Texas as a warm up. Okay. I didn't want to embarrass myself here with all the people that we work with. And oops. And, and you <laughs> came, well. out, came out massively victorious. <laughs> so what would you say was the more challenging piece in that the fitness side or the shooting side? Uh, the fitness component was not challenging for me. It is the whole combining the fitness and the shooting. So figuring out your breathing mm-hmm. and your position to be ready to shoot. Gotcha. Right. Cause you can, you can be like, Oh, I can do this. Right. But your adrenaline is already spiked cause you're competing, but then you're also, your heart rate is up. So at an elevated heart rate, learning how to settle your sights and, you know, get your gun ready to shoot was probably the most challenging piece. Everybody's an expert until the timer goes off. That's what I always said. Yeah, it's true. And how many times have we seen it in different classes? Um, but yeah, it was, it was very interesting. I enjoyed it. Well, congr- again, congratulations. That was a, Thank you. a pretty, pretty uh, bold accomplishment for your first formal shooting competition. You know, we all go to the range and informally kind of compete, but that's a that's a pretty bold accomplishment for first time out of the Thank game, you. so to speak. I have a lot of work to do. My shooting was not where it needed to be at all. I have a lot of work to do, and I've been spending more time uh, focusing and understanding more of what you know I've been taught. But I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. So, which is funny that you won the tactical games, and we're kind of gonna pitch the topic of tactical versus non-tactical. So I thought that would be a good lead in. Um, And I I remember uh, going to a clinic that Ernest put on in Oklahoma city and you, you'd accompanied him there and, and we were just talking gun stuff and double action triggers. And he made the, the comment he said, well, my wife, you know, when we met, she owned a, like a Smith and Wesson revolver. So she doesn't struggle with the double action trigger. And that kind of, it kind of struck me. I thought, so not really completely engaged in the tactical side of carrying a gun, more just like a around the house gun or a, you know, something kind of nondescript, I would say, like for a gun owner is, you know, a five shot revolver. Well, if you think I bought that for myself, you're wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's just, let's just throw that out there. I did not start with that. Um, okay. That was the, First gun Ernest got me um, and wanted me to learn on and get comfortable on. And I was very much the person that had the gun on the shelf over here and the ammo on the shelf over here, because if they got close to each other, then the gun would go bang. Right. Um, So it's a very, I think he knew realistically, I'd probably never carry it. Um, And to say that I carried it loaded ever would be a far-fetched statement because I don't know that I actually ever did. Um, It was very intimidating for me. And for me, the revolver was hard to operate, but great to learn on and shoot on. And I understand the value and why he started me there. uh, But I think that it probably actually delayed my acceptance of firearms and even considering it because it was so complicated for yeah. me to, it was very stressful for me to think through the whole, you know, 
take it out at that time. My language behind it was take it out of the holster, put the bullets in, you know, close the wheel, get ready to shoot. It was very, it was very complicated process that I just, for me, I wasn't ready to carry a loaded gun yet. Yeah. Which some would argue then you're not ready to carry. Um, but yeah, I, I started with a revolver and Ernest is very proud of that. Well, that's, that's interesting. Cause when I was a kid and my dad owned a gun shop, that was kind of like the standard for like all husbands that had like, you know, a, a w- wife that was either at home with kids or, you know, worked from home was like, well, I'll just get him a J frame revolver. Cause it's about the, like you said, there's a, there's a pretty substantial curve in learning it. So it's the safety factor from like the dude's standpoint is like, well, it's going to be really hard to, to unintentionally discharge this. So, uh, but yeah. And I'm sure there's other reasonings behind it. Like Bill Wilson, Dave Harrington, um, not Dave Harrington. You're going to have to edit this. Hackathorn. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Um, it's interesting that you say that because we had a conversation with Bill Wilson um, and I think Ken Hackathorn is of the same belief of that's a really good gun to start on. And it definitely taught me, you know, trigger discipline and it helped me understand rolling through the trigger on mm-hmm. a hammer fired double action, single action gun. Um, but I, I firmly believe that it inhibited my ability to accept accept it in a um, faster way because it for me it was a complicated system okay right and so the fear of the complication Mm -hmm. um, made it more intimidating and you know regardless of that's true your your facts are in the eye of the beholder if you will and so it I know that it's I kind of call it the old school mentality yes very a little bit of you know, yes, I understood it and I now probably understand, appreciate it more, but I was like, Ugh, that stays on the shelf. Right. <laughs> the ammo stays over there. The interesting part of this is like when me and my girlfriend started dating, you know, she was like, well, you're, you always have a gun. You're always around guns. And I carried a couple of different setups and, uh, you know, we went to the range and for her, she keeps a, a Glock 19 in the, in the nightstand you know, because it's the most, for her, it's the most simple process to operate. Um, and she has really no interest in doing anything more than just knowing how to make it safe and how to operate, how to shoot it reasonably accurately. But oddly enough, her favorite gun of mine to shoot is the, uh, 92 elite LTT constantly. Like, I mean, I'm biased. That's great. (laughs) I am too, uh, for obvious reasons, but it's just funny that she, she's like, well, there's more controls, so it's more intimidating, which I kind of discounted for a while. I never, I never understood that. I'm like, well, it's just got one extra lever. Well, you know, for somebody that doesn't immerse themselves in in uh, the mastery of that topic, it 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 can be a bit intimidating. So it, it kind of gave me pause to step back and go, okay, I even though I don't maybe prefer the gun that she likes, for me, I I can live with. Sure she's at least armed and knows how to, how to operate this. So, um, I think the interesting thing, and, and I don't know if it's a conversation that's come up with you guys, but for women and the more that I learn and I'm exposed to 
kind of understanding outside of the tactical realm, right? Which at the end of the day is kind of the world that I started in uh, and that our business started in. And we've obviously expanded beyond that now, but the hand size, hand size plays into operation of a firearm, the size of the firearm, right? The, the reach to the trigger and things that I, you know, Ernest would say those things and it didn't make sense to me, but where the back of the frame of the gun is and then where the trigger is like, what is that distance? Right. And on a 92, that's a long, that's a long distance on a hammer fired gun. Having to run a decocking lever and you know, even the slide lock, which every gun has a slide lock, but especially on the 92, where that distance is, there's a lot of operational hand changes that have to take place. Mm-hmm. Right. And one could argue that that, oh, well, you shouldn't have to do that. And you can use your other hand. You know, there's all kinds of arguments out there. But at the end of the day, it has to come down to what makes you the most comfortable when you're operating that firearm. And it, I thought the same thing with a hammer fired gun in the 92 is understanding all of those different steps was a process. Once I got more comfortable with it, it was easier, but it's intimidating at first glance to be like, Ooh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of steps that have to take place here. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And for me, late, you know, here at later in life, or I say later in life at 42, and being immersed. Now in, we were just discussing how young you look and then oh, glasses thank you. and hat, right? <laughs> call it college, college boy look. Right. But, but at 42, looking back, I have been immersed in the tactical realm of things since I was about seven. So, right. I mean, I understood all the functions of these guns. Cause you know, my dad was a cop and, and my uncle and aunt carried 92s and, and my dad carried a 92 for a while and SIGs and all these different firearms that when I was growing up, it was just commonplace to go, look, I got a new gun. Let me show you how this operates. Uh, and let me show you how to make it safe. And, and that was just part of my life. And I thought that's how every cop's kid life was or you know every american kid oh well parents have guns we get to like explore this and and uh as i've gotten older i realized that is probably way more the exception than the rule right so and now that i'm kind of immersed in some of the training world it is it's much easier for me to approach somebody that is a quote gun person and help them improve and, and mentor them through, you know, fundamental shooting and advanced shooting and, and quasi tactics. Right. Whereas the market is full of brand new shooters. Now, first time gun owners, people that have just dipped their, their toe into the pool. And I kind of feel like the industry misses that person a lot. They, they kind of talk over them or talk past them uh, because the super consumer quasi-tactical guy, well, I don't really have to train him anything. I just got to show him how this works, him or her. Okay, well, this is what the buttons do and move on. So what are some things like speaking to new shooters or the non-tactical people in your life? What are some things that we can do to reach those people? Yeah, you're, you're speaking something uh, near and dear to my heart, something that Excellent. we are um, actively pursuing on educating 
you know, educating the non-tactical components, but also, you know, speaking to the tactical level. So backing it up a few steps of what you were saying is the tactical world. Like I was in the industry on the law enforcement side, selling robots to law enforcement for years. And so in and around what, you know, you would call the tactical community Uh for a very long time. And it, it is very intimidating to somebody who is not familiar with it, you know, not just the acronyms or the layers of training and the things that they do. Um, but it's the intensity, it's the level of intensity and the way, uh, the perfection I think that is pushed. And I always compare it to fitness, right? So I like to compare tactical, non-tactical to layers of fitness is people have, you know, the desire to do jujitsu or CrossFit or, you know, bodybuilding or whatever that fitness is. Maybe it's yoga, right? You have people that are super gung ho and they want to be the professionals in that realm. And they push themselves to get into that layer of perfection. But there's a lot of stages along the way where people can still participate and do these activities, not to this layer of perfection. Um, So in the, you know, in the, tactical community or the non-tactical community. And I learned this more probably working in the industry and constantly saying, well, that's not me. I don't do that. That's not going to be me. I have no desire to do that. Um, And a little bit of it was probably more pronounced in the arguments that Ernest and I would have of like, well, if you're going to carry, you know, you have to change your wardrobe. If you're going to carry, you have to change this. If you're going to carry, you have to change that. And I'm all about change. I'm a preacher of change, but the, well, that's not me. And I don't want to do that was what was actually coming out more in the, well, you have to change this, right? I don't want to wear tactical pants and a plaid shirt every day. Right. You know, not going to happen. So uh, how can, how can I make this fit my lifestyle and what I'm comfortable with and what I'm confident in versus what this extreme expectation will be. Um, and like you said, you've been around, you know, the industry and, and firearms since you were seven, right? It was second nature for Mr. Easter to come home and take out his gun and show it to you. And here's what it's going to do. And this is how it's going to operate or whatever, right? That was second nature. And so for you, understanding that even probably with your girlfriend's level has been a learning curve in itself of like, she's not going to be there. And chances are she will never be there. And some people will never get there because they, they don't have the time, the energy or the desire to put in those thousands of hours of training that are going to happen. Um, and my question back to a lot of people, especially people like yourself who are very tactical and have grown up around it is, you know, as a community, do we actually alienate people because they're not willing to do that? And do we alienate people because, well, if you don't have a two second draw on a, you know, two inch hole in your target at 15 yards, can you even carry them? Yeah. Yeah. And right? I, and I feel like we do to some degree, to some extent. Um, and I, I've become more tried to become more cognizant of that, that, you know, like for example, I mean, I'm a cyclist. I have a 
nice road bike and I, I ride a bike for a living. I am in no danger of winning the tour de France, nor do I have the, like the desire to go do that. I want to be functional and comfortable and fit and, you know, and it, it's part of my job. So I, I have to under, I have a really functional understanding of it, but I, I'm not going to go race with, uh, these professionals over here. So, right. But you're going to put in the, the effort and the work to be confident mm-hmm. for where you need to be right. Or, you know, apply, uh, I oftentimes use the term balance, right. You're bringing balance to the understanding of what it is you want to do and what you can do with, you know, what you're actually willing to achieve or what you're going to do. Um, and when it comes to the non-tactical and the tactical component is I, I have learned more in the last two years about people that don't know or understand anybody in the tactical industry or what we say or do, but they have a firearm or they want a firearm and they are like crying for attention and education that is not based around this extreme mentality of, you know, preparation and perfection. And, you know, I would love to go train with Pat McNamara, probably on the fitness side more than anything. (laughs) Like I would love nothing more than to go, you know, train with them. And that's me. But if you Google and you pull Pat McNamara first and you're like, you're going to do this. Right. <laughs> you know, you're going to start throwing cinder this. blocks. You're like, oh, right. Yeah. I love that crap. So I, you know, I would find that enjoyable. Um, but to new, to new shooters or people looking to get into the industry, I'm sorry, not into the industry, people looking to get into, you know, the firearms market, it's intimidating. And there's a lot of people that are very intimidating uh, when it comes to, layers of, of instruction and even Mm -hmm. the way that they communicate and talk about training with a firearm. I watch people's eyes just glaze over Mm -hmm. sometimes when Ernest talks to them, they're asking questions and they just like, I mean, he's lost them and he's not four sentences into his (laughs) dissertation. Well, and it's not, he's not trying to be disrespectful, right. Or overly educational. It's just, they're so not on the same level that, you know, and it's not just earnest, it's other people too, yeah. where they're just like, well, everybody knows that You're, you should know all these things. If you want to carry a firearm, the reality is, is we're amongst millions of people who do not know those things. Right. And millions that have in the last four years bought their first handgun. Um, yeah. So was, I'm on a mission, Brian, to help these people be more educated in a way that is less tactical and more understanding. As am I. And I got to I got to say it was uh, a lot of it was conversations I've had over the years with Ernest about training. I, I thought, you know, where's my where's going to be my niche? Who are the people where, that I'm going to voice training to? And I remember a couple of years ago, you know, Ernest came into town for a class and a friend of mine asked me, he's like, Hey, what do you think of this? I'm like, Oh, you ought to go. I don't feel like I'm good enough. And I went, uh, back, back that up a minute. Like, you know, you're a pretty proficient shooter. And I think, you know, you can handle your gun safely. Yeah. But I just don't feel like I'm good enough to go train with somebody like that. 
And I, you know, and it gave me a, a, a pretty healthy pause to go, you know, some people are intimidated by that, that. Oh, I'm 100%. Be, yeah. And, you know, so that was, that forged my mission was, okay, from your basic NRA CCW student to training with Ernest Langdon, where can I fit in here to go? All right, you're going to be okay. Go invest the money and the time. And I, I can't express to you how much you're going to take away from this. But the people that that I train, it's like now when they go and they, they have a conversation with Ernest in a class, it's they're sipping from a glass instead of drinking from a fire hose, right? And that's sure. been been my mission is to try to steer people into that uh, that realm where, hey, I got a buddy that's into CrossFit and he likes to shoot. Well, maybe I can bridge some of that language barrier and now he won't be afraid to go train with a Pat Mac, right? So, right. Uh, but I'm glad that there are other people in the industry that are like, hey, we're missing this whole group of people over here. We really need to speak. Yeah, there's, to them. there's a lot of people that I think want to, you know, want to do it and understand it. And the one thing that a lot of companies in general are not doing, and even organizations are not doing, is, you know, education between YouTube, Google, Instagram, Facebook, Vimeo, whatever you want to call it, and all these organizations, right? A lot of people look for the payoff and education doesn't always have a dollar amount ROI attached to it from a corporate sense, right? It has to start at the the base layer of, you know, what is it, what is it that you want? people to do and know and understand. And the reality of it is for us and what, you know, we're doing and we're launching is it's about the education of, we want to be walking amongst people who are responsible gun owners and helping people know and understand how to use and operate a firearm if they're at that level, but even taking two steps back, there are so many people that are taking self-defense into their own hands. They want to, you know, bring into themselves this layer of self-protection, right? And whether that means that they have a firearm or it means that they just want to have more confidence in themselves of how they can react to a situation. The one thing that we want to do is empower these people to seek information that fits their needs. And Maybe the end goal is a firearm. Maybe the end goal is just a home defense tool. Maybe it's just a layer of understanding of, hey, you know, when I'm walking in and out of a store, I'm not, I'm not going to walk around with, you know, my head like this. I'm going to, I'm going to get off my phone and I'm going to pay attention to what's going on around me. I'm going to see what these people are and I'm going to walk taller, straighter, more confident because chances are, if I look more confident, I'm less likely to be victimized in the streets, the store, or wherever. Yeah, as our as our mutual buddy Daryl Bulky says, don't be the wounded baby gazelle at the watering hole, ever. Right. It's bad plan, right? Yeah. No, it's exactly it's exactly right. Um, and and I think it's so based around intimidation of you know if you Google firearms and instruction, you can get (laughs) quite the array of individuals 
Um, and, and I think sometimes people over explain versus simplify to try to get all that information in there and, you know, making it less intimidating, especially for females. Yes. Um, I think is, is very important, uh, to help them be more accepting of, Hey, I can do this. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, you know, I don't have to be wearing a vest and a helmet and, you know, whatever else, combat boots. Yeah. Boots and a (laughs) plaid shirt, chest care, a a chest rack with 14 mat plate carriers and all that. Yeah. And that's, that's something I've, I've had to really become more aware of, uh, as, especially as I kind of transition out of law enforcement and kind of wind that part of my life down is, okay, you're going to be amongst normal earth people. (laughs) Like, how do we, like, where do I fit in? Like, I I can't dress this way. I can't. And uh, the big thing I see we miss is uh, like women, because if you Google firearms instruction, it tends to be an extremely male dominated, like testosterone fueled festival, right? And the older I get, the more I'm like, that's not me anymore. So like, how, how would you go about, you know, say one of your friends or says, you know, I want to get into this maybe defensive mindset. I'm thinking about buying a gun. How do you approach that and not end up with them instantly into the testosterone fueled part of the pool, so to speak? How do you, how do you navigate yeah, that's that? That's a great question. Um, I, I have been going through this with a lot of my friends uh, and people coming to us of, you know, well, I'm ready by gun. Where do I start? And, and then they can't, we can't get them past that point. Um, and so one of the things that I always advise is, you know, get a firearm, get your hands on a firearm, whether it's go to a range and just do like ladies night or go to a range and just test fire a gun, right? Where somebody works with you at the base level of here's how you grab the gun finger straight, right? And just hold an empty gun. It doesn't matter if there's a mag in it, hold the empty gun completely unchambered round, no round in the barrel and just get comfortable picking that gun up and down of where am I going to grab that gun and how am I going to lift it? Keeping my finger straight. Um, that, that is a big step. One step before that for some people is just the fear of if I pick that thing up, it's a lethal tool and it is going to kill me or somebody else. Right. That is the, the most common reasoning that I hear at first. And as we've moved through this process with a couple individuals, the aha moment is the breaking that barrier between the understanding of how that gun goes bang and the fear of what the gun is itself. And it started literally at the base of here's the empty mag. You have to put the bullets in. Oh, which way do they go? Okay. This is the way the bullets face. Here's how you load it. Now you take that mag and you put it in the gun. The gun is still, the gun is still empty, right? There's not a chambered round. You have to perform an action to rack the slide mm-hmm. to chamber around in the barrel. And they're like, oh, that's a lot of information right? for a new person. Yeah. And then, then they chamber around. They're like, now you're like, now it's loaded and it's ready to shoot. And 
every time, I don't think I've had a single person yet. When I think about it, that has not set the gun down at that point. Like, oh, it's loaded. Right. <laughs> you know, and I get it. I've been there. I totally get it. And, and so it's interesting. It's like, yep, it's loaded. So now we're going to pick it back up. Right. And generally at this point, we've gone through how you're gripping the gun and feeling it and holding it, just understanding. Right. And then just getting them to pick up that gun and hold it and just fire the first shot. Like, of course, aim your sights, right? There are layers of instruction happening through this. Yeah. I'm simplifying it. Um, but, you know, fire the first shot and then just understanding what it sounds like, feeling that gun go bang. And then, you know, they always like drop it. And you're like, set it down, right? Controlling yeah. their hands, set it down. And it's like, okay, we did that. And usually it takes one mag. And then it's like, okay, wait, hang on. I can do this. Right. And then there's some basic instruction. And so I think breaking that barrier between the understanding of several actions have to be performed before that gun goes bang to, Oh, when the gun goes bang, this is what it sounds like. This is what it feels like. And Hey, I'm strong enough to hold that firearm. And when that gun recoils after that first shot, it, comes back down, I'm still gripping the gun. And I think that, you know, that is a, a first step component, if you will, that, that has taken place as, you know, I've worked with new people and, you know, you yourself, you're a trainer, Ernest is a trainer. I'm every time I go to the range, it's a, it's a class. Um, and, you know, I've taken for granted that from Ernest to a degree of, what he's taught me and the way that he's taught me and the layers that have been just pounded into my head of this is what it's going to do. And here's what the behavior is. Um, but taking so many steps back and just letting people understand and feel it to break that fear down and give them the confidence of I can do it is what I have found then leads to the confidence of, okay, I'm going to, further educate myself to prepare for everyday carrier, whatever that is. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give my, uh, my, my brother, Michael Burgess, a big shout out here real quick. He's got him and his wife have a, have a range facility out in North Carolina. Uh, not far from where I met Ernest the first time 20 some years ago, but, uh, he is structuring classes that he has about an 80, 20 women to men ratio because he's figured out how to peel those layers back and really focus on getting the, the female shooter over that, um, that intimidation that factor, hump. the hump, yeah. I guess you could say. Yeah. So moving on from that, um, you know, you have a, you have a young child at home. I don't know. I don't remember how old he is now, but he's seven and a half, seven and a half. Awesome. Um, how do you bridge that? Because I mean, obviously you guys are in the gun industry. There is firearms mm -hmm. probably, they're probably more common yeah. than they are not. Yeah, right. He's, exactly. He's grown up around them. Yeah. 
Um, great question because that is always a concern. And obviously anything loaded or that's in the house is, you know, outreach and, and locked up. And we're now juggling that he's got friends coming over. Right. Um, and so we have to be, you know, hyper aware of like, okay, everything needs to be locked up and on our, or on our person, right. When those kids are there, uh, or when the kids are here and with my son, it's always been a, if he asks the question, we answer the question. We've never tried to, you know, hide the information as it pertains to the education around a firearm. Um, but, and we let him lead it. If he asks questions, even if it is at the most unopportune time, we usually stop what we're doing and we will engage that because the attention span is this long. Right. And he just has a question or he's heard something or he's thinking of something and he wants to see it. Um, so we, you know, he was obviously exposed to it at a young age to the, the layer of where, you know, he'd run up and give us a hug when we pick him up at daycare and he'd hit the holster on right. his head and he'd be like, ow, your gun hurt me. <laughs> and <you're> like, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and it, you know, it was, it was an introduction at an early age, but also, teaching at an early age. And he, you know, one of the first times Ernest took him out to the range, he didn't touch it. He just watched and we showed him how dangerous it could be and what the impact of shooting something would be. Um, and we kept Nerf guns out of the picture for a while. Um, and even, you know, with his mm -hmm. Nerf guns, we're like, finger straight, finger off the trigger, finger straight. Um, yeah. But we just, we kind of took away the curiosity I guess by not hiding it and talking about it. Uh, and then we, you know, engage the safety by making sure that they're not accessible at all. Yeah. Growing up with a, a young kid in my household for several years, um, I feel like with adults, it is the polar opposite of children, they're already curious. So you have to present the information in a way that's digestible with kids. You have to address the information when it comes, comes up. And I, I had a standing rule in my house when uh, junior was around that. If you want to see one, if you want to ask a question about one, either I will answer it right now, or we will say after dinner at this time, then you ask me the question you want and I'll, we'll go through the whole gamut. As long as you don't try to entertain that when I'm not here or. Yeah. We taught it early with RJ yeah. as well. Um, of, you know, if you see a gun, you need to say something. Yes. And you need to go get an adult because you don't touch it. And we had practiced and we would leave a unloaded empty gun around places, not all the time. We tested it twice to see if what we were saying was actually being understood. Yeah. And so one day we left it in his bathroom and, and he walked in there and we, I mean, we knew he was walking in there and in it. Right. Yeah. And you so set we him up. Kinda, <laughs> we don't, we totally did. Right. But I mean, how do you, how do you train if you don't test? Right. 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 And so we were kind of standing standing back and he walked in the bathroom and he just stopped in his tracks because he saw it sitting on the counter and he just looked at it and he turned around and he looked at us and we were like, what's up, buddy? We thought you had to go potty. 
mommy, there's a gun. That's right. What do you do? We don't touch it. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and he was very young. And and it was like, okay, so he understands the concept, right? And for us, it was like the understanding of the concept. And we only did that twice. And it was just as he grew in age, is he still comprehending? Is he understanding? And where are we? And then um, funnily enough, we had a bunch of uh, law enforcement guys staying at our house for a law enforcement class. They were staying at our house and one of them was staying in his room and he had a, his gun on the dresser and it, it was in a holster and it was on dresser and my son came home from school. And of course he's like, can I go get my Legos? So we let him go to his room to get his Legos. And he didn't come back out of his room. And it was, I mean, this was like 20 seconds. And I, you know, I was like, right. Oh, right. And so I, I went back to his room and the guy that was in his room is like, I mean, cause he instantly yeah. knew everybody instantly knew like he didn't come back out of his Lego box right away. Right. And literally this police officer was in tears. He was mortified because he's like, oh my God, at my house, I never would have done that or whatever. And I was like, look, this was a learning moment. And it was great because I, I get teary thinking about it because I walked in his room and he was sitting on the floor in front of his dresser, just like, what do I do? I mean, he knew not to touch it, but he didn't even want to grab his Legos because they were right next to his dresser. And he was just like, and he was just sitting there. And I walked in and I was like, buddy, what are you doing? He goes, that was a gun. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, there is. And we're like, why are you still sitting here? And he's like, it scared me. Oh. Sorry, buddy. That is not okay. And that is the right thing. You didn't touch it. Right? Like at that point, we wanted to evade the fear. Right. Right. Get his legs, get out of there. But it was what it did to that police officer was so eye-opening as a mom, but also as somebody who talks about it of like, we have to be responsible and we have to be aware of what we're doing. But if you teach your kids early and you inform them and they know, you want to trust that they're going to do the right thing. Yeah. And take right? it. You can't trust kids. I'm not saying leave a loaded firearm around. Right. That's not what I'm saying at all. You know, and you know, haters will be like, oh, I can't believe you said that. Right. But the reality is if you're educating your kids and they know and understand not to touch it and you taught them the word, no, then they're not going to touch it. Yeah. And right. You know, satisfying that curiosity early. And then uh, for you guys, I'll give you a, a spoiler alert. You know, mine just turned 14. He's in high. He, went to his first year of high school this week. It was crazy. Um, anyway, I took him out to, uh, Western Oklahoma for a little like overnight camping trip and, you know, let's go do some plinking and, you know, this, that, and the other. And he still to this day will not touch a firearm unless he asks. And then if he has a question about it, like, okay, how do I operate this? How do I do that? You know, how do I, if, if I'm going to take this outside and we're going to go together, how do I carry it out there? So the payoff is now at 14, he still has that. Okay. I have this healthy respect for it and I'm not going to do something stupid with it. So yeah. Yeah. Seven years. In the media we hear about, no, it's, I mean, it's true. And I mean, RJ goes and he shoots and he likes it and he knows, I mean, he knows and understands the difference. And again, he's growing up 
in a home where it's a part of a daily conversation, mm-hmm. you know, to some degree with work or not, and not everybody's exposed to that. But, you know, in general, I think if you, it, it's curiosity that kills the cat, right? I mean, how long have we been saying that? If you take that layer of curiosity out and, and people know and understand what it does, then it's there. I think media has a way of, you know, misconstruing what it is. And a lot of these, you know, ADs or stupid things that are happening with people shooting themselves or, you know, accidentally shooting other people is they're sitting around drinking and guns are out. Yeah. You know, and it's like, keep your finger off the trigger, put your guns away. Like, don't be idiots. Yeah. Right. Common and, sense. And I think isn't. part of that is just be a responsible gun owner. I mean, if, you know, it's no different than, Hey, I'm, you know, I know how to lift weight. I know how to lift weight. I can snatch 120 pounds. So I'm going to go to the gym today. And I'm going to try to snatch 180 pounds. I'm break my elbow. Like you're not going to do that. Right. Hey, I go to the gym. I'm just going to try to deadlift 500 pounds. Like you're not going to do that. You're going to throw your back. Right. Right. It's like, don't be an idiot. <laughs> yeah. To me, guns are, are kind of like anything else. Uh, like you said, it's, you know, if you told me tomorrow, Hey, we're doing a hundred mile ride. I'd go, no, no, bro. Give me a couple weeks. Um, you yeah. know, exactly. you wouldn't just go do it. Right. right. Well, we've been going 45 minutes. So I give every guest a final thought. My big takeaway from all this would be, you know, most of your viewers and people listening here are probably very tactical is we are surrounded by very non-tactical people. And I'm sure everybody has at least one, you know, if not more non-tactical person in their life. And so how can we work together to break that barrier between the understanding and fear to make people more comfortable with being around firearms and confidence and empowerment and wanting to own or owning responsibly. Um, And just, you know, taking that, you have to do this out of it and, and teaching a layer of comfort for understanding. I like that teaching layer of comfort for understanding. Andy? And we'll have, we'll have a whole site soon uh, that has a lot of information on there. Two weeks. Oh, but, um, didn't mean to spoil it too early. Two weeks. You said, yeah, yeah. Two weeks out. No, it's good. But you know, it's not just, it's truly not a selfish comment. It's a, Legit, we are surrounded by 13 million new gun owners at a minimum. And we have people wanting to take responsibility for self-defense into their own hands. So how can we, responsible gun owners, help people be more comfortable? And that, you know, that would be my biggest layer of encouragement is let's stop the fear and let's bring in understanding. Hey, thanks again, Amy. And that was an awesome chat. Sometimes I think uh, we in the industry of training people and, you know, trying to foster and mentor newer shooters. And we, we kind of miss that that very entry-level shooter. So I'm really happy to hear that Langdon Tactical is going to, you know, really make some steps to address that market. Again, check out our sponsors, Excess Sites. CCW safe save 10% off your membership at checkout with code off duty 10 EDC belt company as always 
edcbeltco.com, the Guardian Conference, and get down there in those show notes and sign up for the Concealed Carry Podcast giveaway. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And as always, the Off-Duty, On-Duty Podcast is a production of Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC. Eastridge Training and Consulting LLC presents the following content for educational purposes only. Always take proper precautions, follow all firearm safety rules, consult with a competent firearms instructor, and have trained medical staff on hand when operating live firearms. Legal content, commentary, or explanations do not constitute legal advice. We are not attorneys and recommend always consulting with competent legal counsel when researching or seeking to understand laws and legal application. Eastridge Training and Consulting LLC, its participants, partners, and affiliates are not liable for any action taken based on the content of this shared podcast.